Good morning. From the newsroom of the Financial Times, today is Wednesday, December 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. At the start of five days of debate that will set the course our country takes for decades to come, it is worth taking a moment to reflect on how we got here. When the... UK Prime Minister Theresa May suffered a blow to her Brexit deal on Tuesday. The FT's Henry Mance will walk us through the dramatic day in Parliament. But first, we'll be looking at Wall Street's tumble on trade and growth fears, job cuts at Reuters, and the world's largest shipping container company pledging to cut net carbon emissions to zero. I'm Eric Krupke, and here's the news you need to start your day. I'm Nicole Bullock, U.S. Equities correspondent for the Financial Times. Wall Street fell sharply on Tuesday as renewed concerns about trade tension cast doubts over the outlook for economic growth around the world. This was reflected in various uh, barometers around the financial markets. U.S. stocks had a sharp drop, in particular the Dow Jones Transport Index, which is seen in the stock market as a gauge of the economy in particular fell more than 4% in the bond market, the signals were also pointing to concerns about growth. The yield curve, which is the difference between yields on short-dated and long-dated securities, flattened, which is the bond market's version of a signal that economic growth could be uh, in trouble. Financial stocks were hard hit. They seem to be getting kind of a double whammy because not only are they a cyclical stock, meaning they're sensitive to economic growth, they're also affected by a flattening yield curve because their margins are determined by the extent to which they can charge more for longer dated loans than they pay out in short dated deposits. Shares in Thomson Reuters closed almost 2.5% higher on Tuesday. That's after the media company announced it would be cutting 3,200 jobs. That's 12% of its workforce. Reuters is looking to trim its capital spending to less than 8% of revenue by 2020. Right now it's at 10%. It also wants to cut its number of offices by 30%. In January, the company sold a controlling stake in its trading and data business to Blackstone for $17 billion. That business is now known as Refinitiv and it made up more than half the company's sales. And container shipping is taking on climate change. The world's largest container shipping company, AP Muller Maersk, has pledged to cut net carbon emissions to zero by 2050. The group transports nearly one in five seaborne containers. Maersk said it needed its entire supply chain to come up with carbon-free ships by 2030 to meet its goal. Container ships carry about 80% of globally traded goods. Now they use bunker fuel, which is a residue from crude oil that's cheaper but dirtier than petrol and diesel. That means they contribute about 3% of the world's emissions. Maersk isn't pushing one particular technology, like biofuels or solar power, but the company's chief operating officer told the FT that some big breakthroughs will have to happen in the next 10 years in order for the company to meet its new target. And here's something you might want to know more about. Tuesday was a big day for Brexit. First, the Advocate General to the European Court of Justice ruled that Britain could revoke its planned withdrawal from the EU. In other words, cancel Brexit. 
His legal opinion said the UK wouldn't need approval from EU member states to stop the process. Ultimately, it's still up to Parliament to decide whether or not to change course, and it could still require a second referendum to stop the process. But that wasn't all that happened. The FT's political correspondent Henry Mance watched a dramatic day roll out in Parliament. Okay, so we we knew it was going to be a big day for Brexit. So it started early in the morning in Parliament, and a sort of extraordinary process where Theresa May's government was accused of holding Parliament in contempt because it had refused to publish legal advice about Brexit. The eyes to the right, 311. The nose to the left, 293. This was always going to be a very close vote, and in the end, the government lost it because their allies, the Democratic Unionists, are so annoyed about their Brexit plans that they actually rebelled. So the government became the first in history, in British history, to be found in contempt of Parliament. This was a sort of huge event. And then there was a debate on what would happen if the government's plan for Brexit were voted down in a week's time. And MPs decided that they should have a free hand to say what would happen. So they should be able to formulate a plan B and kind of impose that on the government if they wanted to. All of which made Theresa May, the Prime Minister, look like a diminished figure by the end of the day. So the eyes have it. The eyes have it. Unlock. Okay, so let's take each of these one at a time. Parliament also voted to find Theresa May's government in contempt. What does that mean? Yeah, a good question. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, none of us really knew about what this might mean or, or that this could even happen to a government. It's a really sort of ancient procedure. And what it effectively means is that the MPs, members of parliament, had asked for the government to provide certain documents for them to go about their job. And the government had refused to provide those documents. And parliament said, look, we've asked you to do something, you haven't done it, you're in contempt. Now, the documents in question were the legal advice on the Brexit deal. The government's lawyer, the Attorney General, took a look at this deal and said what he thought it meant in legal terms. And the government argued, look, this is our lawyer, we're the client, there's a long-standing convention that this kind of legal advice does not get published. And indeed, it might undermine our position in future negotiations. But what the members of parliament said was, look, if this was your argument, you should have made it when we requested these documents, not now, because we'd already asked you to give them, and then you refused to give them. So it's the kind of procedural matter that you're in contempt. Now, look, in terms of repercussions, no one's going to go to jail here. Government's not going to pay a fine or anything. But it's sort of embarrassing that the government can't win votes in parliament. The British system relies on the fact that the executive has a majority in the House of Commons. And if Theresa May's government can't do that regularly, then its kind of authority and its permanence will be called into question. Parliament also voted that they should have the power to decide what happens next if the treaty fails and its vote on December 11th. So what does that mean? So this is about plan B. So plan A is Theresa May's plan. It's kind of a compromise plan. Lots of people are unhappy about it. And most people think that when Parliament votes on it next Tuesday, it will lose. And therefore, there'll be a lot of talk about what do we do next? Do we try and change the plan a little bit, bring it back? Do we try a completely different approach to Brexit, maybe keep the UK in the in the single market so that's a much closer relationship with Europe? Or do we look for a second referendum? 
the upshot of yesterday's vote is that it's Parliament who will really be able to write this Plan B, which will be very difficult for the government to ignore. So it's not quite binding on the government. But once the House of Commons, once MPs have spoken, it would be pretty difficult for a government to go against that. It makes it very unlikely that Britain will leave the EU without a deal without a negotiated settlement with the EU. And MPs, a majority of them, don't want a no-deal Brexit to happen. So if they have control over this plan B, it means that no deal is really a very remote prospect. And some think that this vote could actually be good for Prime Minister Theresa May's deal. Why is that? Okay, yeah, so everything I've said, take it with this caveat. The Prime Minister is trying to get people who want Brexit to back her Brexit deal. And the reason that they don't back it at the moment is that they generally think that there's a a prospect of an even more radical break with the EU, perhaps even leaving the EU without a deal. And what she's able to say now is, look, the only alternative to my deal is no Brexit. There isn't a harder option. So you either get on board this bus and maybe you try and change the deal next year or the year after in negotiations. But If you derail things now, you're damaging your own cause. So what can we say about the outcome of the vote that's happening on Tuesday? What is it looking like now? It looked like Theresa May's government was on course to lose by something like 200. So meant it really had to persuade more than 100 MPs to to come across and back the deal. Now, most people thought that as the day came closer, some MPs would, would find themselves torn about which way to go and would end up siding with the government. It's possibly possible that it could lose by only 30 or 40 votes. Um, But what looks very, very unlikely still is that Theresa May can win a majority in the House of Commons, 650 MPs, for her Brexit deal. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today we'll be following a meeting of the Nissan board members. They're meeting to choose a replacement for Carlos Ghosn. And in Washington, D.C., current and former world leaders will gather for the funeral of former U.S. President George H.W. Bush. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for all the latest business news. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.